Hello, friends and enemies. <laughs> episode 190 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. I'm coming to you live from the heart of suburban Ohio, America. This is real America out here. Uh, and <laughs> I, I am jet lagged. I, it's, it's catching up to me. I slept, I fell asleep last night at like 11 p.m. Ohio time and woke up at 2 a.m. And then I just straight chilled in bed listening to other podcasts trying to sleep from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then I finally got a bit more sleep after that. But man, it's catching up to me, but uh, that that's going to make it a good episode. Tell, tell us, tell us, tell us uh, what you're seeing in in America now that you're back and you've got your they live glasses off after spending years in the outback. Truly, truly, it does feel like so. I haven't been back to the U.S. in four years, and it, it does feel like everything has become denormalized. Like I've got foreign eyes now, and all this shit that like living here you just take for granted or you don't see. Or yeah, the you know they live right. Like I'm just seeing, I'm seeing the 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 the, the, the veneer of ideology. I'm not seeing the ideology behind it. Um, but all of a sudden, like coming back here so much stuff just seems whack and out of whack and weird. <laughs> I only half jokingly said like, you know, it's a welcome back to the shithole country of my birth. And that did actually <laughs> rouse some people up on Twitter. Cause I, I had some tweets that I, I had a couple tweets that we'll get into about uh, Zuckerberg going on Rogan go like mini viral. So they picked up a bunch of stuff. And at the same time, I also quote tweeted uh, Balaji Srinivasan, who was like just tweeting some like Deleuzian shit. I was like, did this, oh my did this dude like God. read my book? Like, <laughs> like he, he was tweeting some like dorm room philosophy, uh, you know, yo, ain't it wild that like to get to another country, you got to have a passport, but that passport only leaves you access to the public places, the, oh the sidewalks God. and the malls. But if you want to get into the private spaces, you need another passport, yo. It's called a card <laughs> key. That's literally <laughs> he started this thread. And so My dude's over there smoking mids and reading Deleuze. <laughs> basically and so i quote tweeted him, and i was like oh shit the, the vcs have discovered to lose and then he quote tweeted me uh trying to like come at me be like yeah well you know the the israelis have long ago discovered oh my to lose on top of Atari <laughs> and the board you know this this ain't new this is the world <laughs> like he like <laughs> there was some real dorm room philosophy oh stuff God. and so that got other people uh Balaji stands like in my mentions and stuff too like just cascading uh nonsense on twitter i'm like this this is great this is great because now i'm tweeting in eastern time zone so i'm 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 getting everybody <laughs> you've got the gun out yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is okay i want to read this thread because it's 
I'm writing a review of Balaji's book um, in part, and it's I'm very interested in his thoughts because of how bad they are. Passport gives you access to a country, or does it? Really, it only gains gives you access to the public spaces in that country, like you said, the sidewalks and the malls, to access the private spaces, to look behind the windows below. You need to pay for a second kind of passport, a card key. To first order, taxes pay for your public passport and rent pays for your private passport. Your public passport allows you to enter countries, walk the streets, and take photos in public spaces. But you need to pay a second time for a private passport to your flat or office. The key realization is that the vast majority of any city is private space. You can't go up to any floor, enter any room, see out of any window without that appropriate private passport. And the private passport issuers are those that own real estate. They gate their space. Now observe that and observe that many kinds of logins are converging. Passwords, private keys, API keys, hardware wallets, Web2 logins, crypto identities, two-factor authorization, base ID, NFTs. Once building key cards also move to the phone, your offline and online logins will all be in the same device. Next, apply this to the digital realm. There are public and private spaces there too. So long as your country and individual IP isn't banned from a site, you can access the public part. But it's your login that allows you to access the private part of the site, your private passport. Putting it together, one, more of the physical world than we think is gated by private passports. Two, private passports of many kinds are merging. Three, digital logins are gating online and offline access. So much of what we think it, uh, of a country is actually digitally gated private space. Oh, I get it now. Or reversing e, that. Oh, point. I feel like you got a mouse in your pocket. <laughs> e, this is what happens when uh, anarcho-capitalists, which Balaji you know, is a, a valid anarcho-capitalist. This is what happens when they discover that private that power also operates privately in in this thing we call society. They like they turn into dorm room delusions. This is so, so funny. Fucking this silly. is literally just a thread of him trying to prove a core point in his book, right? Because his arg- his book is arguing that. But one of his rhetorical points is we shouldn't be as averse to his idea of network states as much as we are because a lot of the state is already, a lot of the the basic life is already privatized or inaccessible to people. You have to get onto the, you have to interact in the market. You have to interact with assets in one way or another that we can just port over to network, network communities and would operate more efficiently and smoothly if I'm, if I'm getting his argument right, which is, um, uh, yeah, you know, if you're into uh, if you're into lobbing off more of life into private enclaves and digitally gated spaces, uh, then sure, why not? I guess that is where the rubber hits the road. Is like what he's saying is not wrong. Like, like it is. Like it, it's it's directly just a, a dumber version of like a, a dumbed down version of what I describe in my book. Uh, yeah. in the, the chapter about like how but power also, operates. Your insight on the book is like, this is a concerning development in the way that power operates because of X, Y, and Z. And he's like, these are actually reasons why we should uh, push it further in this direction. I'm highlighting. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's not totally clear from his thread, but I can guess based on what I know of, of, of Balaji that like what his conclusions of reaching this like dorm room delusion analysis is and and yeah you're like you would know you're reading and reviewing his book but I suspect the conclusion is um yo this is great <laughs> hell yeah man like I get more power if you think about it 
Balaji <laughs> blocked me a long time ago, so I can't read his stuff. But I'm definitely gonna. I need to go ghost and read his threads because I'm interested in what he's been saying about his dumbass book. Um, and I've re and I've been reading it and 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 digesting parts of it so that I can uh break it down. But also just like such a deep hatred for the vision sketched out like i like a lot of times when i was reading it i was thinking about your book and how like you kind of outlay like you said like you literally just said how power is operating and how it's a great world if you want more power but also like if you just present that picture straight it is a disgusting one but if you present it in a way where it's like you could be this could be you you could have this power. You could swim in and out of these spaces. You could control it. Then it suddenly becomes uh, s- seductive for some people. You know, most people, yeah. I think, still would read the network state and come away with, um, um, you know, an upset tummy, you know, with something, you know, gurgling in the back of their mind and stomach telling them that this is a bad idea because it is. Yeah, well, it's it shows that they have there's no stakes for them because you know they can they can reach this this analysis of the way the world is you know enclosed by all of these private gates that you need to pay uh, you know in money or privilege or or social capital or whatever you know you need to pay for the passport to open up those gates and and you know and and this is how power operates and there's all these you know subterranean systems of control uh, in society and you know but if the, if you have no stakes you you just become Balaji where that just sounds like cool it sounds like a vip room you know like you get special access to the uh you know to to the the champagne room of the club or whatever and that's fine you know like that's just a that's just a, a high class uh perk that you get versus actually understanding this as uh, a system of control that operates on the vast majority of people and not only keeps them out of the champagne room, but keeps them from accessing uh, the essential necessities and services of life. Yeah. Do you think when you see that thread, do you think that this also suggests that among people like Balaji, among that group of people that, they are they have worked out a sort of response to the concern that like they're painting a picture of life or a vision of life i mean this has been one that's been articulated for a long time that's just like dark and dreary and antisocial and privatized and commodified in ways that are antithetical to like sp- spontaneous human life like deep connections social connections and relations i mean i feel like on some level they've always been working out responses to this but i'm curious like with what happens next now that the network state theory has been like kind of loudly and more more coherently articulated. Balaji has advocated parts of this before and it's popped up elsewhere, but like this is this book is his most like coherent um, presentation of the what if the world was a libertarian paradise? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm very I'm very excited to read your review of all these books because I mean I think they are you know, uh, coming up with responses, like in response to, I just looked it up in response to my quote tweet where of his thread, where I said, Oh shit, Bellagio has discovered Deleuze. His quote tweet of me, uh, you know, was 
Deleuze isn't cutting edge. The Israelis have been applying Deleuze and Qatari and Debor to bust through walls for two decades now. So deconstruction isn't counterculture anymore. It's the culture, but deconstruction of deconstruction. And then he goes on to like do a whole nother thread. And, you know, he, he quotes like some essay about Foucault. Like he really does. Uh, he is the the dude in your undergrad social like sociology or philosophy <laughs> course who feels like he's schooling you on Deleuze and Foucault, and then when you're like, "Ooh, look at the big man on campus!" Like discovered Deleuze, he's like, "Well, actually, Deleuze is not cutting edge. You know, it's actually been around for a very long time." It's like, "Yeah, motherfucker, that's what I just said." You <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wonder if he uses uh, Foucault quotes to hit on uh, women's studies undergrads in college. Uh, he ain't Obama. He can't do it like <laughs> Obama. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. He's right. He can't do it like Obama. Uh, oh, what led me to this, though, is because... So I made a tweet when I first got into the country about, you know, returning to the shithole country of my birth. And because I quote tweeted Balaji and then he quote tweeted me, right? Like some of the, you know, his like Balaji stands is, you know, like the no follower accounts that just, you know, hang on his every word and stuff. They like a couple of them started re uh, replying to me and, and my bio on Twitter has so much good bait for these people. Cause it not only has my pronouns and my pronouns are he slash they, so that that gets them like that real wild up, and then and then right in my bio as well it says Marxism Luddism. So that was like <laughs> uh, there's so much bait for them. Yeah, there's uh, some chum there. There is chum, and they always bite on it. Like they 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 just can't help themselves, and so. Like a couple of them uh, got in there and, and just quote, like, quote tweeted my like completely innocuous quote tweet of Balaji uh, and was just like, mm, he, they pronoun Marxism Luddite, huh? And, and then being like, and then like they must have gone through some of like my timeline and, you know, screenshotted, didn't even quote tweet, just screenshotted my, like, tweet about returning to the shithole country of my birth and i also have another tweet that i'll talk about where i was talking about like bandwidth speeds um in america versus australia and and the they were the the dude was just like well you know why don't you just go back to australia where if you hate it here and just keep whining about the low internet speeds <laughs> it's like bro. yeah Jason. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you, huh? Mm -hmm. It's so funny to immediately get, like, from Bitcoin Maxi, Balaji, Sinavasan stands, America, love it or leave it. Like, bro, you, <laughs> there's so much contradiction in your head right now. You can't, yeah. even, you can't even stand it. Yeah, they can't. And they won't. But speaking of all that, so my first port of entry coming from Melbourne was Dallas, or I flew actually Sydney to Dallas, a fucking 15 hour flight. Um, and so I got into Dallas and first, first American soil I've been on in four years. And, uh, you know, you, I land, you have to get your bag, you have to recheck it, uh, for domestic connections. And then you have to go, you have to exit and you have to go back through security into the domestic gates. Um, and so you guys tell me if this is just like normal now or if this is just Dallas or if it, or what, but 
the the TSA security, you know, it's always been wild and it's always been security theater. You know, it's always been this performance of of homeland security uh, and all of that. But it's just gotten so much more intense. Like it felt like, you know, uh, diving into an ice bath plunge of liberty and freedom, uh, which here means, you know, insane homeland security and zero public health uh, safety. Uh, and so like, in order to get through the line, we they they we literally get like herded like cattle into these uh, um, seven feet tall uh, plexiglass div- uh, dividers, right? Like it, like it's like you're in a labyrinth, you know? They're twisting, and you're just herded in there. And Dallas was busy because it was uh, Labor Day weekend as well. I did not plan that well when I when I booked my flights. So Dallas was fucking packed. So you know, I'm coming off of a 15 hour flight, and I'm just like jam packed into cattle gates, basically, with uh, you know a thousand other uh, pe- you know people going through Dallas airport. And then, you know, yeah, they got the, the, you know, the millimeter wave scanner and the metal detector and the x-ray machine and all that. But this is new. I've never seen this. We, they, they had created this like big open area that you have, that you get to as part of the labyrinth, you get to this big open area and there's two X's on the floor and there's a TSA uh, or, or D, you know, I, it's like a, you know, this is the the bipartisan um, collaboration where it was like TSA, Department of Homeland Security, and Drug Enforcement Agency all working together. Um, so there were agents from like all three of them there, and there and so there's two X's on the floor, and you have to walk side by side, you know, with another person through this open area. And in that open area, there's a cane, a, a, a canine handler with a dog just doing a zigzag motion back and forth in this open area that you have to walk through and on and then on the other side there's two big like industrial fans blowing at you and so what it is is like you just you have to walk through uh, a dog sniffer looking for drugs or whatever and everybody had to walk through that two by two and it took fucking forever in an already packed line and it, it's just wild like i've never seen that before as just a normal feature of airport security uh like is that how it is now is that how all the airports are now or is that just dallas i think that's just texas i'm gonna tell you because like we don't even have that in the seattle airport whenever i fly out of there like the security at the Seattle airport moves so much faster than any airport security I've ever had to deal with. Even like post COVID, it still moved pretty quickly, but yeah, they're not sniffing for drugs. They're like sniffing for bomb shit. That's Texas. They just, they're looking for free labor is what they're doing. They're looking for some idiot to fly in with like a gram of weed on them so they can put them in jail for five years and have them work at a Victoria's secret call center at the state penitentiary for 13 cents an hour. There were some signs up talking about due to uh, the heightened security issues uh, in Venezuela, there there were uh, you know more more stringent security and and stuff like that. So I don't know they what they used Venezuela. Dallas Airport is using Venezuela as a justification for for some wild ass uh, security theater shit. Listen, do you, do you want do you really want them coming here? Yeah, them, socialist. (laughs) (laughs) Airports here, it's really interesting because I only have one memory of um, 
of pre 9-11 airport. My one air- memory of a pre 9-11 airport was when we took my grandmother. Um, she spent the first like three, four years of my life with me. And then 98, 99, we took her to the airport and I cried all the way up to the air, to the gate. And then, um, cause you could go to the gate. And I also, and I also distinctly remembering how fun it was to kind of like, like at points she would try to play with me and I would run through parts of the airport. Like I, people were not really, um, they didn't mind that I was, I mean, they didn't mind that I was crying, but they didn't mind that I was running around. Right. But now when I, when I think about the airports now, it feels very militant. I mean, it, it increasingly so always just like very militarized. You're not supposed to do anything other than like kind of sit there, do your thing, not bother anyone. You can talk to people, of course, if you want to, but shut the fuck up. Uh, please don't leave bags unattended or we will detain you. <laughs> um, uh, uh, free for all in the security line. Um, and uh be on your way my favorite is when they uh when your thing has to like when you uh get taken away for a special search and you uh have to put your stuff in the bag and then get get it swabbed with uh regularly which i know doesn't happen to everyone it happens to me when i leave the country every time i leave the country what a weird coincidence (laughs) that you get randomly searches all the time (laughs) did that happen when you went to africa and you came back did you get the whole Welcome back treatment. Uh, when I when I went to Kenya, when I went to Europe, and then when I came back from Europe, and then when I went to Puerto Rico and came back from Puerto Rico. Yo, I heard this guy called uh, called Michael Foucault, and he said that like <laughs> society is becoming a prison, man. And I kind of yeah. believe that now. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but I think uh, to Jeremy's point, yeah, it's really like not drugs, bec- and I know that because I've like accidentally had drugs on my. Uh, suitcases and we can censor it. this out if you like because <laughs> look, look look i've been in jathan's position i was in jathan's position last year i visited ohio central ohio last year i flew in so when i went back what i did is i brought me a shitload of pre-rolls because i knew i was going <laughs> to be there for like a couple weeks right now you can leave it in you're just talking about pre-rolled cigarettes yeah it's all I right. that's I was just legal about- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact that the TSA at the the Seattle airport, they could care less. They're yeah. like, you know what? Wherever you're flying to, it's their problem. So don't fly into Texas. Well, Dallas, they, they would have sick that dog on you. Yeah, Dallas, they would have sick that dog on you. I don't know, man. This shit was like, it was just really out of control. Uh, I was like, damn, this, this, this is America, uh, for sure. <laughs> and I don't know, like, it's beautiful. Don't you feel safer after you spend 40 minutes going through security checkpoints? I do. I feel, I feel so safe. It really made it clear how, uh, inefficient and ineffective all of this is compared to other other places where i mean airport security in like europe and australia and stuff is like you know it's more serious post 9-11 but it's like it's nothing like the u.s like it's so easy breezy like it it's wild how quick you go through uh you know we're talking five minutes on average unless something is really happening but like you know it's yeah i'm like Five minutes, I'm on one side of the security, and then like five minutes later, I'm on the other side of security. Like it's I can't tell you how many times I've missed a flight because security took longer than it was supposed to. 
Well, this is why we've all been enculturated to like get to the airport two hours before your flight. And if you don't get to the airport two hours before your flight and you still miss your flight, then they then they say, well, you should have got there three hours before. It's like, motherfucker, get rid of the checkpoint, man. And th- yeah. then they set they set you up because by the time you get there, you're hungry, so you got to overspend on on uh, <laughs> terminal food, and then you're eating Qdoba and farting on your plane for five hours. Bro, <laughs> I ate a fucking and Dallas airport was so busy, and I was hungry. You know, I just flew 15 hours. I got some meals on my my flight, but like I was starving. And bro, I I, I paid 15 dollars for um like a. It was supposed to be a, a sandwich, but it was just like, uh, like a super thick piece of you know, bread with, uh, and I was looking for the filling. I was like, I think they forgot to put it in there. <laughs> I don't. I think we're not. We're not. We're missing. We're missing the forest for the trees. This is a massive market ready to be disrupted with a tech solution that's pinpointed at. The problem area, airports, right? You're behind the terminal. We need to figure out a way to have a startup that food provides trucks. a service for food trucks at the airport. Okay. There we go. So food uh, carts, really. They <laughs> yeah, have to go cart. through security. I was they gonna suggest all we the same shit we go through. Food truck through the TSA <laughs> checkpoint, but <laughs> maybe that was already exists. And I, I saw the future at Dallas <laughs> Airport. It was oh, no. called Hudson Nonstop. It's a Amazon Go style oh store. God. For, please for tell Hudson me you're lying. News. I'm not please. lying. And it, <laughs> it's not just Amazon Go style. It is licensing the Amazon <laughs> Go technology. And so it's got the, the rafters of cameras like an Amazon Go store. Oh, you know, so it's God. all machine vision and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, uh, to get in, there's a gateway. And either you have to, you know, you can log into your Amazon Prime account, uh, you know, like do something with your like Amazon one or you swipe your credit card. Like, so you do, you do, you don't have to use your Amazon account to get in. You can also just like swipe your credit card. So they, they, they did do that, uh, um, concession, but it is an Amazon go store called Hudson nonstop, uh, in the Dallas airport. So that's the future. I've seen the future. Makes me physically ill. It was it was wild. Like uh, I mean, we're talking you know, small little store with dozens of cameras just hanging in the rafters, uh, and and there was a one person. There was like a, a, I guess a security guard, but she didn't really look like a security guard. She, I think, she was just mainly there to like you know help people who were confused, being like, what what the fuck is this? Like I can just walk out, and they're like, she's like, yeah, you just get get your stuff and walk out. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so, so that was wild. That's, that shit is just like coming to an airport near you. It's great. I think, airport. <laughs> you know, what? You, I think we're interested. We should do an episode on airports on you, the sort of technologies that converge there, because I know, you know, there's a, it's an interesting space. Um, that is a, you know, it, airports, if you step away, they can be anything. Right. Airport, an airport, a place to travel and get onto a plane that will take you into the sky could be any shape, any form we want. And then if it can't be, what are the lim- reasons why? What are the actual limitations and requirements of having a place where you sit around waiting for the airport? And then why do the ones we have look the way that they do? And then why do we have the text that we do? I think that'd be interesting. Maybe they'll do a little dive on like why airports look the way they are and what, what modern forms of technology have done to them. Like what has 
this the, the fact that so much of our tech is consumer based done to the design of airports who designs airports you know why is why does it feel like a long never ending walk into purgatory like just just long hallways at so many airports with open front facing storefronts um i i Maybe maybe I'll look into this. I'd also be interested in what vendors work at airports in terms of security, technology, and who partners with the TSA and who does the biometric surveillance and what other parts of society they do the biometric surveillance. Because I'm sure they test out these things also at airports. I mean, airports just have so many people coming through that it is kind of a perfect data set. Especially you have people who volunteer to do, to show their face. You have people who don't show their face. You have people who have a natural sort of positions in which they hold their face and maybe the camera can't possibly properly catch them. Like it seems like a rich little environment to, uh, to do experimental surveillance for some of these companies, I'm sure. Absolutely. That's just what I was thinking. It is a living lab. It's, it's the perfect environment to trial and refine these technologies uh, and, and, you know, got whole, you know, battalions of, uh, of government agents there to make sure that everything goes according to plan and everything works and troubleshoot it and stuff like, no, absolutely. I mean, at risk of us, you know, becoming Seinfeld, but really what's the deal with airport? <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal with these like airports? To, I'd like to know. Now, the real um, question is, Jason, why didn't you get any? Why didn't you get at any Dallas Cowboys gear while you were at the airport? <laughs> they did have a whole Dallas Cowboys uh, shop. Let, let's let's move on. I do feel like we're going Seinfeld now. Like, yo, airports, man, this shit's wild. Y'all, y'all heard of this shit? This air, the airports. Who who out who out here flies? Show show a hand. Who out here flies? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there is another big thing that I I did notice. So I, I already knew this to be true, but really experiencing it, Australia famously just got awful uh, telecom infrastructure. Like our MBN, our national broadband network, is a a case study of extremely poor management rollout pork barrel spending you know just like uh, a, a, a truly awful and, and very unfortunate attempt at trying to do like a nationalized telecom infrastructure didn't fail because it was a national project to you know create nationalized infrastructure it failed because they started privatizing the rollout of the infrastructure before it even happened you know, so it wasn't even like, let's build it and then privatize it. It was like, let's privatize it in the building phase um, and then also provide all kinds of opportunities for, you know, politicians to smuggle in pork barrel spending and whatnot. And, you know, so surprise, surprise that like, you know, wealthier districts have much better internet connections than poorer districts, even though it's a national infrastructure program. But anyways, so internet uh, in Australia is a fuck is a clusterfuck and it's super slow. And I, I, I know, you know, we've done episodes on it. I know that there's vast unevenness and inequality in, in, in internet speeds and access in the U S but it is, it was really wild to go from urban Melbourne, right? A glow, a major global city where in my old apartment, same internet plan, my old apartment, I was I was doing good if I was clocking uh thirty megabytes per second up and like fifteen 
megabytes per second down. In my new apartment, because the connection type changed from coaxial to uh, fiber to building, I live in an apartment building. Now, now I'm now I'm sitting pretty at like 50, 55 up, and like you know, like 20, 25 down. I come out here to suburban Ohio. I'm not in some, you know, uh, I'm not in Silicon Valley. I'm not in the Bay Area. I'm not in Seattle. I'm in suburb, the heart of suburban Ohio. Motherfuckers getting internet out here that's like 250 megabytes up and like 120 down. USA. On Wi-Fi, my parents don't even use. USA. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. It was wild. It was really something. I, I, I am, I am actually going to go back to Australia and whine about our slow internet speeds. <laughs> maybe we're wrong, Jason. Maybe there's something to this to this capitalism shit. Uh, no, I do got to hand it. I do got to <laughs> hand it to America for that. It's because they keep letting Australians go out on cigarette breaks whenever they want them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing gets done. <laughs> they just, damn smoke yeah. goes. That's in their constitution, I'm pretty sure, actually. So. <laughs> it's a human right, all right? right. It's the national anthem, man. <laughs> I'm on Smart Time. So lay me alarm. 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 It, it was it, it was wild to to really experience that and and you know I'm gonna take advantage of it while I'm here I'm gonna download a bunch of uh, legally purchased movies and TV shows while I'm experiencing these extremely fast speeds. I think uh, you should. I'm not saying you should pirate a bunch of things. I am saying you should pirate a bunch of things, though. You no, know, I'm I think gonna, you should. I, I, Adam, I'm a I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm going to download <laughs> legally purchased and acquired movies and TV shows. Right. right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I ever suggest that? Yeah. I mean, I hear there's a new Lord of the Rings on Amazon. That's uh, you know. I uh, listen. That. I'm I I'm into Lord of the Rings. I've never been um, a fanatic about it. I'm not as interested in it as I am other fantasy, but Jesus fucking Christ is the new show boring. I just found, I just found it incredibly boring. I can't, maybe I just need to watch it again at a different time of the day, but I just could not get the energy to, or the desire to care. I couldn't, I just couldn't connect to it. I turned it off after 15 minutes. I just was not, I was bored. I was bored out of my mind. I've seen the first couple of, I haven't seen that, but I have seen the first couple episodes of house of dragon. And I feel the same way. Mm, yeah it's 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 nice that we've got like two new tv shows based on these huge legacy fantasy worlds uh coming out at the same time and they're and they're both shit yeah. <laughs> they're both, it's good it's good it's you know it's uh <laughs> it's slop for the pigs right and I we're all watching that. it I'll, I'll keep you know it's like that trump tweet right like I'll, I'll, I'll keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> Maybe I think this is good in the sense that, you know, let the fantasy fail. Focus on, keep your eyes on the prize, people. Science fiction. Where are the science fiction shows? 
Who's it's picking Marvel? Marvel. Yeah. Science fiction yeah. is Marvel. Oh, <laughs> and that's, it's called it's, it's jury duty. All right, you gotta oh you are you are legally required to watch those shows. It's like jury duty. I'm just I'm waiting for the inevitable J.K. Rowling <laughs> cash grab, and they re- reboot like the Harry <laughs> Potter series, and it's oh, on Amazon. Coming, dude. She just wrote like a whole, like a 600 page book that I heard is basically like like 300 pages of like grievance tweets. Jathan, you're close. It's actually 1200 pages. What the fuck? (laughs) And half of it is grievance tweets. But you were right. Half of it is grievance tweets. And she couldn't even put her own name on it. She put her no. like her her uh, her her pen name is the pen, pen name. is the name of the guy who created uh, gay conversion therapy. No what coincidence? John Galbraith. Look no, it up. it's Robert Galbraith. John oh, Galbraith sorry, is the economist. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. To, <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, economics uh, listeners, don't slander me. I'm just. It was. Uh, it was a slip of the tongue. Robert. Wait, is that real though? Robert Galbraith did get. Yeah. Bro. This shit, bro. The, the the levels here, the levels here. They go so much deeper than I knew. Yeah, bro. News I had news. no idea. I'm Holy look. Shit. Is the Newsweek article? I'm having. I just hit a blunt moment. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's making sense. It, it's everything start to link through. I mean, it's uh, well, tech. It's technically called conversion therapy, but it's just solely used. It was solely used on gay men. It's basically like electroshock, right? We all know this. It's um. You know, if if I were choosing, if I were choosing a pen name, I would stay away from the bigots. And but you know, then again, she is she is a she is a turf. This is not a coincidence. She knew no. what she was doing. This is an it, Easter egg. It is for her hard. Fans. It is. I get and I get it. I get it when people do their grifts. I get it when people commit to their bits. I get it when people commit to their bigotry. But you got to, I, you know, is there someone who's fumbled the bag as much? You know, most people, when they have that sort of agenda, they are careful to not fuck it up entirely so that they can still have access to the money and the platform that lets them spread the hateful ideas, right? But instead, this person, you know, JK Rowling, I just, don't, there's not a bridge she won't burn. But that's the thing. She's already like a billionaire, right? So she's actually doing it right where she got so much money that she's just being like, I'm fuck it. I'm being the real me. I got more, I got more money than than the Queen of England. I'm being the oh, real me. Bad she's not, trying to do this she's not like, a billionaire anymore. No, no, I don't think so. But who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, she, uh, it worked. It really worked. <laughs> it does work, though. You know, like, never mind. It, it's the long-standing joke of every left-wing, you know, journo and podcaster that if we ever get hard up, we could just make the right-wing pivot and suddenly see our like our Patreon and subscriber numbers jump up exponentially. We're we're talking thousand x growth overnight if we just made the right-wing pivot. It's lucrative. Yeah, those people are the worst people in the world. You tell me we have to one. Well, let's say let's say uh, one thing I just have not really understood also about these pivots is you make the pivot, but then your fans are people the sort of people who you would probably throw to the wolves, you know? And what so what are you like what are you doing? Like you got you got the uh, basement dwellers, you got fucking white knights, 
you got annoying ass uh, excuse me sir clap kids you you know you forgot the you forgot the homework professor kids and every yeah, single the- one of them is at least a five dollar subscription on patreon oh <laughs> <laughs> i could oh even listening to those people talk come on please <laughs> spare me so what you guys are saying is this, this is the last episode of TMK as we know it. We're going to be rebranded as a right-wing uh, Harry Potter fan podcast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You're listening uh, to This Agenda Kills, where we break down the woke culture and the agenda that's seizing our favorite cultural icons. Today's first episode, free and premium, is about Harry Potter and the brave fight by J.K. Rowling against the woke agenda. <laughs> well there that's is the voice that, I would do. that's the voice i would do every single time there is that harry potter fanfic from the 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 less wrong dude right? oh no i don't i didn't know about this, this and already I feel like you're going to open something yeah. up for me. <laughs> uh i'm sorry you have to read this book it came out in 2010 um by eliza yudkowski who's the like the founder of less wrong you know and it's called oh, yeah, uh, that, uh, the harry AI's- potter Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality uh, is a, a, a book that he wrote that it adapts the story of Harry Potter to explain complex concepts in cognitive science, philosophy, and the scientific method. It's categorized under hard fantasy, rock hard fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to read the plot off Wikipedia. I'm, I'm, I, and, you know, y'all should let not, me know. Not right now. Save that for another episode. <laughs> we ain't going down another uh, Harry Turtle Dove side quest right now. I, we can stop we right got, now. <laughs> I, I think the people need to know. What are you scared of, Jathan? The people need to know. <laughs> I'm censoring you, Ed. I'm censoring you. <laughs> um I let me get. I, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a little bit of it. I won't read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Upon arriving at Hogwarts, Harry attempts to apply the scientific method to the study of magic with the help of Hermione Granger. At the same time, he befriends Draco Malfoy and tries to show him the power of Muggle science. Eventually, Harry finds a mentor in Professor Quirrell, unaf- unaware of the fact that he is Tom Riddle, who caused chaos and war in magical Britain under the persona Lord Voldemort before Harry was born. Despite his efforts to drink think rationally harry develops an emotional blind spot towards subtle indications of quarrel's secret and grows to de- trust him deeply because i just learned that it was published as a serial from 2010 to 2015 and totals 122 chapters and about 660,000 words what what? Is that longer than the series? That's a nerd alert right there, buddy. <laughs> I don't think it's longer than the series, but that is about 10 times as long as my book. Oh, yeah. Never mind. The series is a million words. So it's close. That's insane. He. <laughs> what the fuck? So I need you to abort this mission now before uh, we have to call in and do like a, a health and wellness check on you because you've got so deep into reading this series that you've been forgetting to eat, drink, and sleep. <laughs> so I'm going to the first five books in the series combined. 
I just have a mental image of of Ed with bodega spaghettios eating them out of a can while just staring in front of a screen reading this for the next three days. I wonder what kind of technology they have in this book. I'm curious now. (laughs) (laughs) In my mind, I knew this thing existed. And in my mind... Uh, and I knew that, like you know, there were there was just like entire dedicated rationalist forums uh, d- to discussing this book and and shit. But like in my mind, I really truly thought it was like more like a short story or like a pamphlet. I did not know my man made this his full time job for five years and wrote this book. Yeah, this is a ridiculous and and to make it sound so boring. That's a shame. Truly, truly boring. Apparently, the book takes place across a single year, covering only the time period of the first volume of of the Harry Potter series. The first five books? What? I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) I'm so... I'm so sorry I brought this up. (laughs) I'm hitting the big red abort button right now. The chapters are split into six sub books. Did he mention Ron at all? Is there any mention of Ron? Is he just like. It does actually say that Ron is not as important of a character. (laughs) But there are two sub fictions. One is called Ginny Weasley and the Sealed Intelligence. The article's a stub. It doesn't say what it's about. Weasley (laughs) and the Sealed Intelligence. Jeannie Weasley and the the Epstein flight. <laughs> okay, All right. get out of this. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get out. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Do you think Harry Potter would have been on an Epstein flight? <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> Maybe J.K. Rowling. Yeah, J.K. was definitely definitely there. Uh, Parody. This is my fan fiction. Parody. <laughs> we might we might just save this. We we have that. This is a this is a good jet lag episode. Let me just ease back into the podcast uh, in in this way because there is actually some stuff I do want to get into. But I think I think I, I don't want to go super long on this. And I think it's worth actually devoting some time to to talking about because it it's a rich vein of content. But are you know talk about uh, bad pivots? making the worst possible decision at every opportunity being richer than God and still being unable to do anything right. And just fucking embarrassing yourself at every step of the way. Our boy, Mark Zuckerberg went on the Joe Rogan experience last week. Oh yeah, baby. And I, I, a giant, giant salute to the comrade who has infiltrated the marketing team at Facebook and is just absolutely going to work, tanking their pivot to meta and humiliating the Zuck at every, every turn along the way. Cause God, man, ever since they made, ever since they Facebook pivoted the meta and went all in on the metaverse less than a year ago, it's just been one 
fucking L after another. And each L seems bigger and bigger because he can't, he can't do what we just did and, and just like pull the, the parachute and get out of there, you know, hit that ejector seat and, 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 and get out of the burning, uh, the plane, you know, it's spiraling. It's a death spiral. Instead, he just keeps doubling down in the most just cringy, awful ways possible. But it's very funny. It's a rich vein of content. We might save it for the premium episode. But suffice to say that the Zuck is making a pivot towards alpha male mindset. He he's he's trying to uh I don't know like weirdly court Joe the Joe Rogan crowd like he's gotten into MMA. In fact, he hired one of Joe Rogan's friends to be his MMA trainer. Uh, he went on he was on the uh, Rog Joe Rogan experience for three hours. Right, you know he does these giant episodes, and Mark was there for the whole three hours, and and along the way, talking about like using stuff around how like. He he said you uh, watching TV was quote unquote a beta state, not like not like beta like tech fate like yo know, this is beta testing. He means beta like it's not alpha like you're a beta male if you watch TV. Yo fellas, is it gay to watch TV? <laughs> yes, watching another man. You what you watching know, another man for? Huh? You sitting in the room alone, dark, watching another man talk on TV. Mm -hmm. That's us. Yeah, no, it is. That's a, that's a beta state. It really is. We have to talk about it. I think um, it is also. Did you see the video that um, of Zuckerberg that was posted where he was fighting Taekwondo? Yeah, it was like a minute sizzle reel of him and his MMA trainer doing like oh, it was doing. MMA? Yeah, yeah so, so that's his MMA trainer, and it was like it was definitely posted as a kind of companion to his uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, experience it is yeah, episode really fascinating i mean there's like and we'll save it for another we'll, we'll do a metaverse or death to meta episode next but um you know there's been a lot of interesting commentary about this because at the end of the day it is really good it feels really good to see meta fall apart i mean the premise of meta was always like trying to figure out after the fact the way to justify moving more of your life into even more commodified even more private even more isolated enclaves and the early criticisms got it immediately i mean there were a lot of images online of people with their metaverse avatars to the left side of the screen and then on the right side of the screen they're on a mattress that's on the bed with their oculus rift on their head uh in a dimly lit room i mean that's the metaverse, like you're talking about connection with human beings and global communication, but you're really talking about isolation of people in real life from one another into an endless shopping mall. And this is like something to have been like opposed against, uh, opposed to on every single basic value that you might have for human sociality, for politics, for economics, uh, for moral reasons. There's no reason to support the meta project. So to see it, see the backlash that it held and then persistently faced uh, as it failed to materialize as uh, supporters backed away from it. It feels good. It feels good to see this happen to Meadow or whatever the fuck it was called. Horizon worlds. It feels mm. good to see this to Libra. It felt, uh, which then got um, uh, rebranded. Uh, what, what did Libra get uh, rebranded into Libra? 
I can't remember the fucking coin, but Libra got uh, rebranded into like DM or some shit. And that still got killed. Like seeing Facebook's core projects fail time and time again is a really good feeling because the, because we can't, we can't, we can't wish for a worser profit and messenger for these things. I mean, he was proposing like pretty big shifts to how global finance worked. He's, he's offering a new way to privatize the commons and to invent new scarce uh, assets. And everyone said, this is the lamest shit I've ever heard of in the f- latter case. And in the former, Congress said, what the fuck are you doing? Get away from that. So I, I'm, you know, here's the hoping there's more rejection of uh, Zuck's dreams. It is heartening to see just like the failure on that level. There's still a lot of other things to do. Facebook is still at the beating heart. You know this world. Sad. I, th- I I do I do worry that the Joe Rogan uh, appearance is the the first steps, the harbinger of Dark Zuck. We might we might be getting Dark Zuck. Like yeah, I think he you know, he might be leaning into uh, the alpha male mindset, like the Joe Rogan experience way of living. Like yo, I know y'all been uh you know excited about Dark Brandon. But I, I see on the horizon, the horizon worlds, I see a dark Zuck coming up around the corner. Yeah, let's get at it. They got to really stop with this metaverse bullshit. Or not metaverse, but the uh, multiverse bullshit. There's no multiverse. There's only one metaverse, and it's ruled with an iron oh. fist by dark Zuck. Yeah, I think it's over if Marvel does a metaverse. Then, then we're doomed. Bro, I hate to break it to you. Marvel's definitely <laughs> in the metaverse and definitely doing shit in the metaverse. <laughs> Let me live in bliss for one once. <laughs> I don't need to know everything. Oh man, but yeah, no, there's a lot. I, there's a, there's an episode's worth of stuff for us to get into. I mean, like we we occasionally talk about it. You know, we we did some stuff on virtual real estate and whatnot. But I think it is it is nice to kind of document the the downfall of a technology we have to and we have to do that because it proves that shit can be rejected right this shit ain't deterministic we can all just collectively stand up and point and laugh at it and like make it go away it's it's very interesting to see them continue to try this shit because like you know zuckerberg calling uh watching tv so all right i'm gonna just pull up the quote real quick because it's it's i think it's very instructive um, as to like how he was trying to pitch himself to the the Rogan crowd in, in a, such a funny way. So he went on and, and he explained how he loves, quote, just wrestling around with friends. It's awesome. So that that's 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 like his manliness, right? It's like, yo, his favorite pastime, just just horsing around with the boys, you know, just wrestling around with his friends. It's awesome. But he he hates TV because unlike VR, it's quote. You're just sitting around in this beta state consuming stuff. That's what TV is, right? You're just you're just sitting around in this beta state consuming stuff. Unlike VR where you are active. You're not consuming, you're contributing, right? You are active, you are moving, you are doing stuff and you are building. Ed, I know you I know you love to build. <laughs> to build. You building shit in the metaverse. Yeah, uh, right. TV that's that's beta shit. You consuming stuff, all right? And that's what's wrong with America right now. 
uh, is that there's nothing but TV on all the time uh, in suburban American households. And goddamn, do I wake up to the glow of a, of an always on TV coming from an empty room, like some poltergeist shit now that I'm like staying at my parents' house. And it's literally just a nonstop stream of local news uh, daytime television shows and advertisements like it is wild like this is the only way to understand the unique psychosis of the american spirit uh is to be in a suburban home with a 24 7 tv in every room uh yeah, this, right. this is how you, this is trump right this is how you become trump pilled um and you know through the psychosis of tv the only solution to that is the alpha male metaverse all right you gotta get it you got ed you gotta pull pull yourself away from this beta state of consuming <laughs> that tv garbage it's the boob tube it's rotting your brain been saying it since the 80s you know uh and finally zuckerberg dark zuck has brought us the solution it's the new it's it's the fucking nootropics all right it's the meta it's meta nootropics you get in the metaverse you uh, uh you know you escape the beta state you enter alpha mindset and you are active you are building you are engaging you are thinking you are contributing but above all above all you are connecting ain't no connection happening on tv that's one way <laughs> that's, con that's connection all right oh it's connecting God. the world and, and and you know in in an alpha mindset rhizome it's a network of alphas connecting yeah. with other alphas yeah that's right? right that's right i like the call back to the beginning of the episode <laughs> yeah, talking about the lose <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's right. That's, that's called prof professional podcasting, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, Jathan, that whole bit right there was just an advertisement for the metaverse. You should have done it with like Bro, sloppy, sloppy daytime television announcer voice. They should pay me seven figures for that because it's infinitely better than any of the actual advertisements for the metaverse <laughs> that they keep putting out. Do you sit at home and often watch live PD and wonder... Wow, how would it be for me to be in those cop situations? But now on Metaverse, in VR, you can be the cop. You can beat up children. You can beat up teenagers. Hell, you might even shoot someone live on television. This is how we know that in the uh, in the franchise wars, Demolition Man, that, that Meta will win the franchise wars because Amazon's going all in on beta shit. Ring Nation, that's beta shit. You just... What? You just gonna sit there and watch other men on TV? That's sus. That's beta shit. Meta though, alpha mindset. All right. You you don't watch Ring Nation. As Jeremy just said, you become Ring Nation. All right. You become the hero of your own ring world. That's that's alpha. All right. That's how we know Meta's gonna win the franchise wars. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm here. You know what? I'm just gonna start agreeing. We're here. We're in for the ride. And I know and I know about it because I saw it on my Arby's future cast on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do they have the meats, but they also have an insight to the future. <laughs> That's real. All right. I was watching the local I mean, I know this is this is me being some real like, you know, 
Y'all, this is crazy. America is wilding out right now, but it is. All right, I was watching local news, and the weather was brought to me by the Arby's Future Cast. It was demoli- it was demolition, man. All right, yo, in the franchise wars, Arby's Woo! won. Every restaurant is Arby's now. Every consultant is Arby's. There's no Accenture. There's no McKinsey. There's no Taco Bell. There's no nothing. It's Arby's. Everything is Arby's. All right. <laughs> We've got the meats and everything else. You got a problem with that? We've got That's the future. Right. That's right. We are the future. There's a lot more interesting stuff to talk about, I think, with, with the metaverse stuff. So we can we can get into uh, the failures of the metaverse. Why I think it's instructive to it's instructive to document these downfalls in real time. Cause there's also it is secular, right? Like Zuckerberg ain't the first one to to try to market these kind of augmented reality and virtual reality technologies as uh you know masculine masculine right as as things that are going to make you more uh you know virile and stronger like 10 years ago with Google Glass Sergey Brin literally said that it it was effeminate to scroll on a phone you know, like that was how they were trying to market Google Glass. As he said that he basically said it was gay to scroll on your phone. I bet you at this very moment, that is exactly what he is doing right now. And now he got cucked by Elon Musk. So look how that yeah. worked out for him. <laughs> it's wild, man. I just think that I wonder how much he rehearsed that line. I really wonder how much Zuck rehearsed that. Okay, so... What do you say, Mark, when he asks you about why you like the metaverse? It's better. No, that's not how we say it. It's beta. It's beta. It's better. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guarantee you he pitched his voice down a couple octaves and yeah. he was just like, well, Joe, you know, it's like it's beta state, right? Like yeah. you just sit in there. It's beta it's vibrating state. at a lower energy frequency when you watch television. And it's only when you're in the digital landscape buying things from uh, meta platforms that you actually get to project your astral self into a higher form that resonates with the future being you want to be. And I believe that everybody should manifest that sort of process. That's why I'm putting this into the world. Horizon Worlds is going to change the world. It's like my friend Sergey said, you know, it's like when you're just when you're just sitting there pushing your finger against a smooth piece of glass, that's really effeminizing, you know? It kind of just takes it makes you feel weak and alienated, uh but like the metaverse, man, that's really masculine, right? Like it's right there, MM, meta masculine, right? Like not not that beta shit, it's meta masculine. That's I know you get it, Joe, because we both we both love combat fighting sports. You get it. We all get it here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing better than just, you know, grabbing a friend of yours by his ass and picking him up and throwing him on the ground. There's nothing better. Nothing better. That's right, dude. It's very it's fun. You know, I like I like doing BJJ with my friends. Brazilian jujitsu, Joe. Brazilian jujitsu. <laughs> what do you what do you think the next uh, stage of the um, press tour is going to be. I don't know. What's up next for Dark Zuck? And also, what, I, I look what, forward what to do you it. think the next pitch... Do you, like, does it, like, are they going to continue to being like doing a lifestyle shit? Like it's just such a stupid thing to do, you know? I just imagine him having like a sizzle reel of him beating up children. 
<laughs> just that's all I can imagine. It's like set the Power Ranger music, and it's just him like roundhousing kids. Yeah, that's next. <laughs> right. That is next. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to leave us with one last thing. We're we're gonna go through this whole fucking thing because it's too good. Um, but there there is more. You know, there's some geopolitics happening here as well that we can get into a little bit in the next episode. Because. Uh, the U.S. officials, like I, um, Biden, has now made it where U.S. chip manufacturers like NVIDIA have to get a special license to sell their most powerful high-end graphic processing units to China. Um, oh, yeah. And, and so, and a lot of those are for, you know, they're, they're you know, classic dual-use technology where, like, you need it for things like the metaverse um, and also, like, hologram meetings that, you know, we'll get into that in the next episode. Um, but, you but you know, it's also crucial for developments in AI, for military and stuff. But so that's, that's some wild kind of uh, escalating of what we've been, the, you know, the beat we've been on for a very long time, which is, you know, Cold War 2.0 is already happening between America and China. And tech policy is the vanguard, the first bat, like the real first battleground for the the Cold War and the exercising of uh, different hegemonies in the world now, geopolitically, technologically. So get into that. But I do want to leave us all with one more vision of uh of the of the meta future court that mu- that uh dark zuck laid out to joe not dark brandon joe rogan don't get excited all right he said quote zuckerberg said quote you'll be able to have this experience in the future where you're sitting in a meeting and your wife texts you and it pops up in the corner of your glasses you want to respond but you don't want to pull out your phone because that's kind of rude Users of Meta's augmented reality products, Zuckerberg continued, will be able to send messages using a quote-unquote virtual hand that they control with their mind to send text messages. No one even knows you're doing it, and you just, like, send a message. This is, this is the future for... Uh, and, and he said that... You know, and this is like he smuggled in some pitches, right, for the Ray-Ban stories, the, you know, the Ray-Ban co, the Ray-Ban co-branded AR goggles, right? The Instagram Ray-Ban co-branded gog- uh, glasses, rather. He's like, it's getting into some weird fucking um, Neuralink shit, right? Where we're going to be able to control this stuff with our minds because like, you know, you don't want to be using your hands. Like, I don't know, man. It's weird. It's bizarre. But this is the vision of the future that they're laying out. It's one, it's a future that will never happen. This shit is snake oil. It's bullshit too. It sucks. Who would want this future to happen in the first place? It's so bad. And it's and it's so and you can tell it's bad because they don't have an argument for it. What the argument is that it's rude to pull out your phone and send a message. So what's not rude is composing a message with your mind and sending it that way. I, I don't I, I don't get it never happening it's just like the narrowing we've had danielle on the on the pod multiple times to talk about this fanatic obsession these people have with adding in futuristic visions of that that augment how humans are operating and communicating but they're all bullshit and they have nothing behind them and they're part of this longer history of questionable 
racist eugenics or problematic thoughts or bullshit fantasies that never come to pass. You know, so um, they can couch it all they want is, you know, your wife may be texting you, you can secretly text her. But it's, I mean, that's more so I think I, I think it's important to think of it like that's always branding. That's always the lifestyle branding like we were talking about. Right. Where they need to figure out a way to sell old dreams and the old narratives and the old rhetoric. And the best way to do that is to just keep doing new sympathetic narratives, even if the bullshit failed three years ago, six years ago, nine years ago. 90 years ago, doesn't matter when, just keep saying it until someone buys my shit. But I love it because all you know, we know that all of this shit is built on the imaginaries, right? It's built on the stories that they that they sell us. Uh, and so that we give them money now for something that they say will happen later, even though it's never going to happen. But I do love that they can't even tell a good story. They can't even sell a good imaginary for, for like the use cases of shit that won't exist, right? Like, like they literally, the sky is the limit, right? None of this is going to exist and no one's ever going to hold them to account for it. So they can literally just say whatever they want to say. It, you know, it's going to work this way. We're going to use it that way. It's going to change our life in this, this and that way, right? Like they can say whatever they want to say and they can't even muster a halfway decent argument that doesn't sound like a fucking joke, right? Like that yeah. does not allow them to get absolutely roasted in Bloomberg mm-hmm. Business Week, which had a really great by uh, Max Chafin, um, had a really great write up on on the on Dark Zuck's uh, Rogan appearance. That's where I just read that quote from, and you know, at the end of that quote, uh, you know, Max Chafin writes, "Is texting your spouse on the sly alpha behavior?" <laughs> so it's just like, yo, <laughs> if you are getting roasted by Bloomberg. And as we'll talk about, you know, when we when we revisit this topic, if you are getting absolutely thrown or raked over the coals by a CoinDesk op-ed, you know, if you've lost your core constituencies to that degree, there is no hope. There is no hope <laughs> for your technology, for your vision, for your future. Right, there is no hope yeah. in, in in your future. Uh, like I, I, man, it's 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 almost sad, but it ain't. It's good. It's exciting. I love to see it. We do love to see it. Amazing, beautiful. It's just the stuff that makes me stay up at night because of, I'm I'm so excited. I'm vibrating with joy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because you'd be watching TV. It's the beta <laughs> the beta waves be making right, you vibrate right. like that. Yeah, I'm vibrating at a lower frequency. <laughs> You're right. right. But yes, no, more more of this, more documenting the downfall and more cheering on the downfall of others. Uh, it is possible. You know, Zuck can literally spend $10 billion on this shit through, his re- through reality labs and none of it's going to happen. None of it's going to be taken seriously. It's a $10 billion joke. That's the, maybe the most expensive joke in human history. Zuck spent $10 billion just to make us laugh a little bit. So in that way, he's maybe the most effective altruist to ever exist. 
think about yeah. it like that. He's doing, you know, he's making he's making us feel good. That's right. He he makes me feel good every time I look at his sad, pathetic ass. <laughs> 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 I think that constitutes an episode of This Machine Kills, and I'm I'm proud of my uh, of of my jet lag for for holding out as we record, and then as as I you know uh, journey further and deeper down into the heart of suburban darkness. Yeah, have a have a good time uh, exploring more of America, and report back soon. I am truly a stranger in a strange land, a strange land I was born in, made strange by my absence. Um, and now I'm also, now I understand why there's so much hype around fintech shit, because I forgot that when you pay for stuff on card here, you have to like, you have to insert the card and you got to sign. Yeah. And you got to say if you want a tip or if you want yeah. a receipt. Like, yeah. I'm so spoiled now with just the pay wave shit in Australia yeah. where you literally just tap and go. I, I now understand the obsession with fintech because <laughs> finan- the, the consumer-facing financial system here, it ha- I had to get it denormalized to realize how absolutely fucked up it is. I bet. I bet. <laughs> and my parents told her telling me, they're like, you should buy everything on credit card because it's way easier to get the money back on credit cards when you get scammed. Not if yeah. you get scammed, when you when. get scammed. I got a, I got a new SIM card here. I got a new SIM card here, so I had an American phone number uh, and data and stuff while I was here. Within five hours of getting that SIM card, I got two scam text messages. Hell yeah. Welcome to America. What'd you get? What'd you get? Oh, I don't know. I have to look, but it was wild. I mean, obviously scam, but yeah. Welcome to America. Five Within five hours of activating my phone number. Two scam text messages. That actually does constitute an episode of This Machine Kills. And you can find us on patreon.com slash thismachinekills for more premium episodes every single week. We are going to be over there talking some more about the actual, not just dunking on, on Zuck on, and, and Joe Rogan, but talking more, a little, little bit more about the actual kind of... Uh, finances uh, and economics of uh, metaverse it's like it's it's clunky technology that still does not work um talk about that we got more to come on some other uh other topics so we're, we're going to be getting into some good stuff over on the patreon feed so find us over there um and until then whatever feed you see us on next later adios, adios.